0: We're not going to go too fast with this process. So we're recording now, okay. With this process of, um, of, of establishing the tool, the basic framework of how we should witness or share the gospel. Have you guys realized that it sounds simple? And then you realize, wait a second simple so this is what we have to establish we each one of you have to take up this challenge of establishing in your thoughts in your mind inside of this computer establish a framework so there's a framework there's a basic solid framework that has to be in place to keep you Structured, sensible, and ordered when you try and witness. Have you noticed that if you try and witness according to the knowledge you have, you get lost? Does it happen to most of you? Most of you have, would have had somewhere to try and, and somewhere to practice, and you realize that once you dive into the knowledge pond, it's an ocean. Where do you start? So you need a structure, basic structure. Now, for those that have, I know many of you have been around when we've spoken to other people. Have you noticed that I, I, I don't know if you're starting to remember and notice that I use a basic structure. No matter what the topic, no matter what the question, I use a basic structure. Because the Bible is complicated, but the structure of the Bible is simple. Mm-hmm. Always keep in mind this this circular action in the word all the time. It actually goes like this, but it still forms a circle.
1: Mm.
0: So we learn to stick to the basic structure of what, how the word works. Cycle back to a point. If you follow a linear thought pattern, you lose the person somewhere in between the start and here, and then you carry on till there and the person actually stopped following you there. You have to take him and bring him back to something.
2: Yeah, you have to remind them why you started, why you've started this topic. Otherwise people lose, because that's why we did the spaghetti brain thing. If you can't remind them where you started and where you're going, then their minds are still programmed to do the random thoughts along the way. So it helps to do this, because then you just keep going in the same direction.
0: So, the spaghetti brain, in any person you're talking to, the basic thing their brains are guaranteed to do, no matter who it is, their brains are going to loop back to me. You start off with any topic, and they'll follow the topic a little bit, and then they'll loop back to me. What are you telling me about me?
2: How is this applicable to me?
0: How will this affect me? How does this impact? How much of this
2: do
0: I already know? Yeah. Okay, so it's vital to understand this when we're talking to people. Um, And so we need to loop them back and, and we use the fact that they want to make this about them. And it is about them. It's about their salvation. It's about their understanding. It's about their revelation of who God is. We know that actually it's about bigger things but we need to work with them it's for we have to understand it's about them for them does that make sense okay whenever we start talking to anybody they will go to a fault need have you noticed how if if when the Holy Spirit starts moving they want to confess something Mm -hmm. and then they want to connect with some need Mm -hmm. something Their brains have been busy with something for days and months and years before you started talking to them. In the hours preceding the moment when you start talking to them, they've been thinking about something over and over and over and over and over. Whatever that felt need is in their lives, they've been dwelling on it all day long. It's all they can do. Because remember they... Most people you'll encounter are hostages, slaves, imprisoned on the inside. They have a little square room, a jail cell that they can move in. They're moving in circles. They don't know it. They don't know it. That's what they know. That's the world that they've been living in all their lives. And you are showing them this stuff outside of that world. Okay. So keep these things in mind when witnessing. Okay. Now <clears throat> we want to remind everybody again. How does this all outside of time what do you need to connect for people? Just a basic thing. What do you okay. need to connect?
2: So- Okay, so we've been laboring, obviously, the outside of time truth, and the value of using that truth to witness to someone. And it's all well and fine to understand the truth and trying to explain the truth. But the only way the only way to effectively witness this truth is by connecting the end to the beginning. There's no other way to reveal to a person outside of time. So this is why we've started, we started looking at the Book of Life, but specifically via judgment. This is, this is the way to do it.
0: <laughs> so this is structure mm-hmm. that you need to build into your thinking. That's why we're referring to a structure. You always have to understand that if you're going to go to the beginning, you have to connect it to the end. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go to the end, you have to connect it to the beginning. Never break that structure. Remember that the Antichrist's strategy is to focus the potential believer. So we're talking about everybody in church, everybody outside of church that are potential true believers. He wants to focus their attention on some center point, Mm. and that's a misunderstanding of the cross and why the cross is and how the cross works. So it's still, the, we're not saying the, center, the, the Yahushua isn't the center point of all things. Mm. He is. But he's the center point of all things outside of time.
2: He is the beginning and the end.
0: Yeah. So heaven exists because God is at the center of it. It's good because God is at the center of it. It's perfect because He's there. Does that make sense? Now what if, so we know that, in the end of time when we've been redeemed, it says that the city comes down and it says that um, God is the light of the city and He's dwelling with us. Now what if God gave us a perfect city that's called heaven and He just put all of us there and He was somewhere else?
2: Then we were just back here.
0: Oh, well, what would we be doing? But we're redeemed. All our sins are forgiven. We would find a way to mess it up again, wouldn't we? Now, the answer to that problem is that we're going to be in him and one with him. So we can't actually mess up anymore. The only way it was going to get us safe is to make us one with him. Do we get that? Now, the person that you are starting to witness to, their first response is going to convince you and show you that they know. Whatever it is, they know. Okay? doesn't matter where they're coming from. I mean, probably the best example is the guy that tried to convince me we come from aliens, and that's the origin of man. He wasn't wrong. God isn't of this world, but, I mean, his idea of a spaceship coming down and... Seeding the world with us. Okay, so have you noticed how it doesn't matter who you're talking to, their first response is they they cannot deal with the fact that they don't know mm. what's happening. So in some way they're trying to just get you to accept that they do know something. Mm. Have you noticed? Okay. So the strategy, the most powerful and effective strategy is to get them to a point where they acknowledge that there's important piece of information that they don't know. So the, the goal, no matter what you're talking about, how you are approaching it, the goal is to show them that there's, to invite them to find out about the stuff they don't know. Mm. I want to make sure that these things are we embed these basic, simple principles in our mind. You can't give them a lot of information because they don't want to believe you they want to be right
2: mm. and they don't want to feel stupid or humiliated so
0: yeah, how did all of you feel when you started realizing that just about everything you thought you knew was not what the Bible actually says. It wasn't a good feeling, <laughs> was it? It was a terrible uh, realization.
2: Especially if you keep in mind, like you keep saying, we, primarily we will would be witnessing to Christians. Mm-hmm. So this is, I feel even worse for someone who actually thought they were doing all right, were doing at least something, and then it turns out they didn't know. Rather than someone who knows they don't know the Bible, so this is a non-issue that they don't know. They, the intention was never to know, so that's slightly Definitely. different.
0: I remember when the Lord started messing with my theology. I remember standing in the shower and crying and saying, Lord, just please let me meet someone so I can ask them if what you're telling me is true. <laughs> It it made sense in my head. I was like, if there's older guys somewhere out there that knows, if I can ask them, if they can give me answers, then that would be great. Because how could it be that I could not confirm these things with anybody?
2: Mm -hmm. That must have been scary.
0: And so you've got to understand that the person you're talking to, they're going to have a stress reaction. Mm. No matter how good the news is that you're telling them. Because if they accept outside of time, they have to acknowledge that just about everything else must be questionable. Mm -hmm. If they accept the name, if they are willing to just consider that you write about the name, then they have to start unraveling everything else they know. How terrible is the realization that a person will have, when when it comes to the name, when they realize that their parents knew nothing? Mm -hmm. It causes huge vulnerability. You realize that my mother that tried to teach me about Jesus didn't even know his name. You guys, so we've got to understand. So you've got to refer back to the structure. The structure is to bring them into something solid where if they try and move, if they, you've got to outmaneuver them because they're going to go backward or forward and you've got them covered on both sides. That's why as soon as possible, you want to refer them to the end and then to the beginning or the beginning or the end.
2: And remember, we did do the teaching where everyone has a beginning and an end. So just referring to the one or the other isn't going to do the trick because they have a timeline. Mm-hmm. It's just on the far ends, far extremes. So the th- that's why they're connecting the two. You have to connect the two. What's the best
0: way to do that? That's why we started off with the Book of Life. <laughs> Firstly, why would the Book of Life give you a good chance to at least find entry into their thoughts? Because first of all, most people would not be aware of the Book of Life. Mm -hmm. It's new. It's enticing and interesting.
2: It's non-threatening. Because if they just don't know, then they don't know. So there's no reason to feel panicky or strange.
0: So the idea of Hmong... Most Christians out there is that on Judgment Day there's a big screen, and your name gets called out, and then your life is put on this big screen. Somewhere, somewhere in some book, someone established that picture, and everybody picked up on it. Now I don't know about you, I just think about that possibility. In my all chest closes up, I'm going like, no way, There's gonna be another way.
2: All of creation is going to watch that screen. <laughs>
0: See, everybody's gonna find out I'm really stupid if that happens, okay? Okay, anybody in the room, that if they put your life on the screen, that think that you're not gonna look real stupid,
2: Just like, and that's not even, I'm just thinking of all the embarrassing, just plainly (laughs) embarrassing things that I've done, especially alone.
0: (laughs) That's not even, that's not the problem, even. That's not the problem.
1: I'm guilty, you don't have
0: to show (laughs) your (laughs) card. I confess. So, so. That it somehow somewhere, most people have this vague idea of that happening. Mm-hmm. and then of course, you've got Christians that that grew up in churches, got this vague idea that no, they're fine with God, they don 't know why, they don't know how they're just going to be okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, Now this is why um, Charlene, we're going to use the book of life. once you you can do it literally in two minutes. Establish the fact that when we all appear before the seat of glory, the Lord himself. Now, we want to present judgment, but as a redeeming factor. Mm. Mm. Judgment has a negative connotation for good reason, but we want to present the judgment of God as... For what it is. It's a good thing for His children. Even the ones that don't know Him yet. Judgment is a good thing for us. And the reason it's good is because of the book of life. And if you can show that it actually says, in any way that you get there, it actually says that there's a book of the Lamb, the book of life, opened at that day. And you show them that these names were written before the foundations of the earth. Then you you, you narrow the entire possible view to something very small. If the book is going to be opened in the end, and the names are written before the beginning, that's all you need to show them. There's nowhere to go from there. There's no way. Mm. The best lawyer is going to find his way out of that predicament. And we're only using what is true, what is written. Mm. It's there. Nobody can question that. There's no way around it. Now what? So the next question is very simply. Is your name written in that book or not? Mm. The next question is going to be, how, you ask that question, how do I get my name in the book of life? And can my name be taken out of the book of life? See, now it becomes personal. This opens the doors to all the other stuff that we can do. Because the question, the first question after, is my name there, can my name be removed, is, okay, how does this work?
1: Mm.
0: Because somebody's got to get to the place where they go, how does this work? Because it defies everything we know. That makes sense. See how eventually, if you can show them that the Book of Life was mm. so that your names, the names were written in the Book of Life before the Earth was created.
1: Do you
0: know the scripture reference? We, we're gonna go for it now. Yeah, we'll go. We'll give it to you now. Right. So, that looks, can we go then? just draw that picture first? Mm. And then we'll go to, and then after that, what we're going to do is we're going to read steadily and patiently through relevant scriptures. Because what that structure that we're building is we need, if you want to talk to people about judgment, then you've got to have a good understanding of what the Bible actually says Mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. And to maintain that structure, we have to go back to those scriptures on a regular basis and read through it again. We cannot ever slide into the mindset that, oh, I know what's happening. I've formed a picture because my picture, I have to check my picture over and over. Does that make sense? The way that religion works is religion wants to tell people what to believe according to, what to an old picture that they've never checked. They've never verified is it, is it correct, is it right. I'll show you now. (laughs) He's going to
2: sketch it first.
0: Right. Uh, When there was no time for anything. When there was no time, time wasn't in existence. And nothing had been created yet. a book came into existence by God's perfect will. An empty scroll. Then, he wrote all the names of the citizens of the New Jerusalem, the citizens of the Kingdom of Heaven. He wrote all their names in there. It's like someone deciding to have a huge ball. A Banquet. 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 And then they sit down to write the list of guests, the invitation list. Okay. Now, this happens. Then, what God does next, after he has written uh, names in the book, time begins. Because the moment that he wrote the names in the book, the stopwatch... It started. He creates Earth. I can't write upside down. <laughs> he creates Earth as the place where all this can take form in time. Okay, so what was first? The book. Or creation. <laughs> the book was first. And then at the end of time, so the book was first, then he creates the heavens and the earth. All the planets and the galaxies and the universe. And he creates the earth and everything in it. And then at the end of the Bible, when the earth and everything that was created is finished with, no longer exists, the book is opened. So is there anything more significant that frames time than the actual book of life? How has this very important piece of detail been ignored or missed, do you realize that Christianity doesn't talk about the book of life at all? Mm -hmm. It actually frames everything. All that we know, earth and everybody that ever lived and all the magnificent works of God and the word of God is given to us, exists in between the two markers. So if God is uh, from everlasting to everlasting, then this book frames everything that has to do with us. See how this book is extremely important. can Can you start to recognize why we want to use this book as a tool to witness? Okay, so... The bo- The names are written there. There's a time lapse, and then the names are read from the book. And that was the story. <laughs> now you asked, how did your name get into the book? Well. Read Ephesians for us first. Your name got into the book.
2: chapter 2. Can I read the whole piece?
0: I know you want to. Go for okay. it.
2: Okay, from verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Messiah, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places, in Messiah Yahushua.
0: So that little piece of scripture encompasses all of time. Because these words are spoken to every person that will be salvaged of every generation over thousands of years, a little message spoken to everyone. How amazing is this book? So, read it again.
2: But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses.
0: So, when was he rich in mercy?
2: He is rich in mercy.
0: And when did he love us? Remember he only that is in the beginning. And that is when he loved us. That is when he was rich in mercy day. So that's when he wrote the names into the book. Okay. So when he wrote your names into the book, If we understand that He, uh, His perfect will for all that would ever live was formulated and executed in this moment, when were you dead in your trespasses? Before your name was written in the book of life. When is your name written in the book of life? Raised us together. Read that.
2: Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Messiah and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in
0: Messiah. Yeshua. So this basically says when he was raised, we were raised. Now, our challenge is to get a normal person to the point where they can see that there's no way that he got raised from the grave, and then over the next 2,000 odd years, he's going to raise up each individual one again and again and again. Because remember, when you get baptized, you're supposed to get resurrected. See what a messy gospel that is. So he's trying to save people. Then eventually, on a Tuesday, 2017, somebody decides to believe and he raises another one. That's what everybody believes. That's what we all believe. That's why I wrestled with that for years. I was like, "This does not make sense. I just had to read the Bible to find <laughs> the answer. Okay, do we get it? So so the book comes first before everything else. Okay, now we're going to pause. I'm going to pause. Because there's no way for me to know what's happening, exactly happening in your mind yet. I know for me this was a very long process. So if you feel like you get it, but you still don't get it, it took me more than 10 years to get it. Don't feel bad. took me a very long time. So now, let's quickly check. This is not rhetorical. We can quickly have a bit of interaction. Is there any way, just by reading the scripture, is there any way that we have to question whether the book was established and in existence before he created the earth? Any reasonable way that we can question that. Do you think we can question
2: it? I don't know what the scriptures say.
0: (laughs) So do you see how the linear timeline has to be bent to where the cross is? So think, try and figure out a way to, let's try and figure out a way to debate this. Is there any way that we could question whether the book existed before the earth was created?
2: Well, one could possibly ask the question, well, if the names were in the book of life before, and that was already determined, why did the Son of God have to die at all?
0: We could ask that question, but that's not the question on the table question on the table is, does the Bible say, this is what I'm showing you what you need to do in witnessing. See, okay, thank you for illustrating it so well. <laughs> the person that you're talking to are going to want to do that. They, want to, they are going to ignore the question they can't answer, and they're going to try and ask another question. Your job is to say... Specifically,
2: they'll probably ask the cross question, because... Yes.
0: Your job is to go, we can deal with that question later. Let's take, let's take reasonable steps. Be reasonable with me. Don't be scared. Be reasonable. Does the Bible say this, yes or no? Just yes or no? You'll find that people will do all kinds of things to avoid the yes or the no. So is that the, the
2: important point
0: That's it. Or even just think about it at least. See, you can't, because they'll drag you into a whole debate mm-hmm. that leads nowhere. Your job is to bring order to the process. The Bible is orderly. The gospel has to be orderly. And you have to keep in mind there's already another gospel in existence. They have a gospel. The Antichrist has created the storyline for them. And they believe it. It's all they have. So the 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 if we're going to witness, we need to bring them to a stop. We need to stop them. You need to get them to stop and sit down, stay where you are, sit stay. Is this making sense? So that's the simple goal. And then, so so basically you want to ideally get them to read with you through that script, just the script, okay, so before the foundation of the earth. Or since. So we did look at, he promised salvation when? Before the foundation. Yes, okay. Go A for bit. it. No, I'm not asking, looking for that scripture. I'm just quoting the other scripture.
2: Okay, okay. well, okay. I'm going to read the Book of Life scripture mm. in Revelation chapter 17, verse 8, But it's the second sentence. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel whose names are not written in the Book of Life from the foundation of
0: the world. And the Timothy scripture.
2: That one doesn't directly mention. Okay, but the Timothy scripture is 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. Uh, God who has saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Messiah Yeshua before time began.
1: 2
2: Timothy 1 verse 9.
0: Now, we could say, okay, wh- wh- when did time begin? Because that would now be... If it says before time began, when did time begin? So can we agree that time had to begin the moment when there was day and night? In reality, the moment he created, the clock was started. The moment he wrote... So and the other person's time frame starts at least at the earliest when day and night starts. We know the actual time frame starts when he writes the names in the book. Now, so what we want to get them to is to get a person to acknowledge, yes or no, that this book existed before the world was created. And that's why there's a few very simple scripture references that we need to know what it says, where it is, we need to be able to reference there. And then all you need to do is get them to acknowledge that the book was there. Just according to what the Bible says. Not, is the Bible right? Is it, um, if they do any of those other things where they say, but isn't it symbolic? Just, is this what the Bible says, yes or no? And what if it's true? That's all. That's all. Why do we want to do that? Because this forces the person to acknowledge that their understanding of things, it forces them to acknowledge they didn't didn't have this knowledge, they didn't have this understanding. They can try and convince you of the way that they did know things before, understood things before. You have to stop them from doing that. Not because we want to be right, because this is what the Bible says. Okay. You're going to now, show us that wonderful revelation. With about judgment. Okay, can you go into that now? We'll just explain all of that to them. The Peter. The house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is one example of how. The misunderstanding of time and how things worked leads to misunderstanding things the Bible says. We're going to look at a scripture that seemed to say something very clearly, and it's been quoted by various people over and over, and yet it actually doesn't say what people think it says at all.
2: Okay. 1 Peter chapter 4. Do we want them
0: to use their phones? So first read it and then we'll go to Babelab.
2: Okay. <clears throat> okay. Uh, we're not going to read the context. But from about verse 12, the context is that uh, those who walk the walk will suffer persecution for his name's sake. And then let's read together from verse 16, where it says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God?
0: Okay, so I'm sure everybody can see how this could be a confusing scripture. For if the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God, I don't know, it just kind of gives you a cold chill. It's like, what?
2: And it's like, oh, if we hardly get away with it, what are the rest going to do?
0: Okay, now you can take them to Bible up and show them what it actually okay, says. Okay. okay, let's just read it for you guys. Okay. okay.
2: So, <laughs> okay, obviously the Bible wasn't written in English originally. Yes? It came mm-hmm. from another language. So... Uh, oftentimes, you know that we go through a process where we study the words and the sentence constructions to understand what it was supposed to communicate originally. That's not to say that the original message that was written here was changed necessarily but sometimes we gain deep understanding and depth when we look at what the original translations said.
0: Remember the translators did not know the mysteries. It's very important to understand. They only they were working with very basic language. Mm. They understood language.
2: So they could translate the language, but sometimes they could not translate the message, mm. if mm. that makes sense. Okay. So I'm going to go through it, but now you have to bear with me because we're kind of going to break up it break it up word for word. So um
0: Bible hub. No. So Bible Hub,
2: if you go, if you go verse down, four verse if you scroll
0: down on the Bible Hub, you go to the lexicon. Go to the lexicon. So at the bottom, it will always give you a breakdown of the way the sentence was constructed. And it will give you the Strong's references, so the um, Greek word. Now, although we don't just look at the Greek words, we look at the way the sentence was constructed. And oftentimes, this original construct um, will agree with the mysteries, but because they didn't know the mysteries, it didn't make sense to them. So in translation, they fixed the construct. Normally, it works out just fine. Normally, most of the Bible... it ends up saying what was intended mm. but here and there like in this verse he was speaking about a mystery but the construct they had to reconstruct it because it didn't make sense to them but they ended up saying that the time has come for judgment to start with the house of god which doesn't line up <clears throat> with the actual rest of the bible story
2: mm. if we think of a judgment in a negative sense
0: see. Si. Okay.
2: Okay. So. <clears throat> so. Okay. The. further f- Is. Let's just use it as it is. That's fine. Okay. Then time. The original word. The Greek word that was used could be translated as fitting season, season, opportunity, occasion, time or set or proper time. So there was a set, there's a set or a proper time for something to start. So it's not just a random time. It's a fitting season, opportunity or occasion. So it's a specific time. For the time uh, has come. Okay, now uh, it's a little bit different here. So I'm going to ignore this for a minute.
0: Yeah, you can't use that.
2: <laughs> I can't use my Bible. <laughs> okay okay so for the time for judgment okay now the word for judgment is also just a decision but we're going to go with judgment and I'll explain another bit of judgment just now to begin or to to commence could also be translated as to commence and here's the okay here's the the big thing So with where it says for time, for the time has come for judgment to begin at or with the house of God. The original word there is actually could also be translated as from or away from. It says a primary particle that means off. So i.e. away in various senses. So it's a directional. So the at is actually not the best translation because at would put us here close to an object, where actually the word that was translated was supposed to communicate an action of moving away from. Right. So it's time, the the appropriate time or the season or the um, appointed time uh, has come for judgment to commence away from. The house of God, and then um the House of God is also just translated as the family or the dwelling of God um, and then the rest can pretty much stay the way it is okay right? no it can't
0: then we go and the the it, it, the construct would say and if, and then they translated it and if it begins, but it actually says. And if in the first place or before or formerly and and if formally before in the beginning with us then it says what will the outcome for those who disobey and the disobey we go to disobey says Rebel, be disloyal, or refuse conformity to the gospel of God. Remember, we're busy in sharing the gospel. Now go right back to the beginning, the original word construct, where they said, "Read, read from the Bible, the verse, verse seventeen, please."
2: For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of
0: God. So it says, for the time has come. The original has more a meaning of, it is time. It is the time. Okay. So what this was actually, what, what was actually being communicated by Paul, he's saying, it is the time for the judgment, or it is the time of the decision. And he's now going to use the judgment in the term of separation. So it's the time of the decision of God that would mean that there's a judgment away from the family of God against those who refuse to be conformed to the gospel, the good news. Why is this important? Firstly, it has to do with the, the idea of time, the reality of time. If it says, for it is time, or it is the occasion or the opportunity. It says, for it is a good opportunity. Now, what is, has he been talking about? He's talking about the suffering of the believers for the sake of the name of the Lord and of the true gospel. And he's going to say that they are blessed because they are suffering with Messiah for the same sake. And he says, for we are living in the time that God created where his judgment will separate the, those who resist him, separate those who rebel against him from his family. It doesn't say that judgment starts with the house of God at all. It says that the reason there is judgment is because God has created the time or the opportunity where His judgment or His, um, what's the word? His decision. So His decision is to create an opportunity, the concept of time, that will allow Him To separate those who do not want to be conformed to the good news from his family. Do you see this in the word construct? So it actually has a completely different meaning from what they translated. Mm -hmm. Why is this important? Because this is one of those revelation scriptures actually that reveals the purpose of time itself. God created time. Because he, crea- he had to create an opportunity, he had to create an opportunity, a space, a circumstance. He had to create circumstance, opportunity, to separate that which is not his family from his family. We go to Thank you. Does it make sense? So when you visually consider the word construct and the actual root meanings, you can see the intent of what was. So, so you'll see that the actual word construct and the sentence construct um, agrees with the, the general meaning of the Bible. Actually,
2: can you get me back a I just want to read it in the original Greek um, way that it was written. This is this
0: yeah. So, so we don't want to race past this point. It's communicating. We're trying to show you that this mystery has been clearly communicated by Paul to those who know. This the actual. It bears. It has bearing on the actual gospel. What is the true gospel? Okay.
2: so in the original Greek if you translate it just directly to English the way it was written in, or that they said was written in Greek it would read for the time to have begun the judgment from the house of God if not first from us what will be the outcome of those disobeying the gospel of God
0: I don't know if you're making the connections if you so consider the book of life
2: Yeah, bring that switch back so if it says so for the time to have begun the judgment away from from or away from the house of God and we have the book of life at the beginning and the book of life at the end and we said the book comes before time so the book is created and then time is created then we end up with for it is the time to have begun the judgment away from the house of God which is the book of life and then there's the separation so in Matthew chapter 3 verse 12 it's John the Baptist says his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And oftentimes, when we hear the word judgment, we have a negative connotation to it. So judgment, especially in the great eternal sense, automatically sounds a bit like damnation or condemnation or wrath, where that's not really what the word judgment means. The word judgment would be a decision. And also, if you think just in normal courts that we have these days, a fair judgment would also approve the innocent to be innocent so and if we take into account this threshing floor and this scripture that we're reading from from peter then really what we're looking at is that the earth itself becomes the threshing floor where everything that is not from god is separated from everything that is from him so the 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 reason one would um sift or you know use a threshing floor, is not to get rid of half of your harvest or two-thirds of your harvest. The purpose is to redeem that which you can actually use, that which you wanted in the first place. The getting rid of is just a means to an end, but not the purpose really. The purpose is to redeem, to gain that which you wanted in the first place, that which you intended in the first place. So if we look at the book of life at the beginning and at the end, then this time that was created in the middle, the earth that was created, it, we're really just looking at that sifting process so that judgment can commence away from the house of God so that he can redeem that which he was intending to redeem from the beginning. And then in the end, you just end up with the book of life again. And there's more to the story but that's kind of what we're looking at here
0: why are we telling you this because it's very important to get that structure in our minds we cannot doubt the actual intent of the gospel if we have any doubts or variations on what the Bible actually says what was God's actual intention this is the most important part of our equipping this is the most important part of how we're going to get to be effective to settle it for ourselves, to understand it. You don't have to understand all the scripture, you just have to understand the basic plan, basic intent. And it takes a process to get to a place where you no longer have any doubt regarding that. Because every person you're going to talk to, they just want to throw or to cast a shadow of doubt on whatever you've been telling them. They want to find another way, another question, another argument. And we want to show them, you have to acknowledge, all we're saying is, is this what the Bible says? Because if the person then wants to reject what the Bible says, there's no point in witnessing to them. If the person insists on just rejecting what the Bible says, they want to lean on their own understanding and then you're wasting your time. Don't debate with them. But a person that's willing to acknowledge, look, this is what the Bible says. They'll come back. It might take them a while, but they'll come back and go like, why haven't I been taught this? Why haven't anybody told me this? Why don't I know this? The moment you get a person to say, why don't I know this? It means that you are dealing with somebody that's received the love of the truth in their hearts. Mm -hmm. Then you can be patient with them. No matter how bad the struggle in them becomes, you can be patient with them. Does it make sense? For those who need to go, if you need to go, we will release you because that was the main part of what we wanted to impart. The structure is that God knew who is his from the beginning. That's the structure we need to have in our minds. How do we know that he already knew who was his? Because of the book of life. The goal that we have set for ourselves is to help people understand that to believe in God, to love God, is to do things the way he said we should do it. We can't come up with our own way. We can't decide on what we like and what we don't like, what's, what, what the parts of the Bible we want to adhere to and the parts we don't. So the next step is to get a person to understand that God gave us the word because he wanted to define everything, every detail. His will is perfect. Why do we want to establish this? Because if we can establish in any person's mind that God is sovereign and almighty, then we can start helping them to understand that they need to know the Bible and they need to do it His way. Do you see the logic behind it? So what is the intent of the gospel? We're not preaching the gospel to try and get people saved. We're preaching the gospel to show people that God's will is perfect, it's defined, and it's established. And the only question is, are you part of God's will or not? Are you part of the promise or not? Mm. That's it. Because we can't get someone to accept the Lord into their hearts. We get a person to start accepting His will. Mm. Joshua came to do the will of the Father. We started off by saying, is there any way this revival can start without a restoration of truth? No one can be saved if they don't get to know Him.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. See what I'm saying? the, The other gospel is designed to keep people from really getting to know the true God. God will never interact with somebody that's busy doing the opposite of His will. Only Satan will interact with them. Okay. Simple structure. We spoke to Johannes. Johannes had a, an opportunity to practice a little bit at school, at the school Bible study. And um, I'm going to use your experience as an example. So he did direct him to the anomaly in Genesis chapter 2 where the a verse is written, a man, man will leave his, his wife, wife his father and his mother, and <laughs> his wife, become one with his wife. So, so there, he did take the right steps to bring them to see that why is the verse there. But he didn't connect it with the very principle that if you're going to take them to the beginning, you have to take them to the end. What's in the end? the new Jerusalem comes down as the bride of Messiah. That's why it's in the beginning. If you, if, you don't, if you miss that step, then you just gave them an opportunity to explain away what you just showed them. Do you get what I'm saying? So in showing that there is this verse in the beginning of the Bible, we can show them that God is, is, has revealed to us his plan from the beginning.
2: And that it's the same from the beginning, so we're safe and secure.
0: So what did we just prove to them? That God is good, he's almighty, and he does what he says he was going to do. See how that logic works. But if you just try and prove to them that there's a verse there that shouldn't be there, it's not going to do the job. Because they're going to now find all kinds of reasons and explanations, possible explanations for why it is there. But if you show them from the beginning and connect it to the end and connect the end to the beginning, then you can start showing them, you can start pointing them in the right direction. Okay. Does that make sense? This is very important to remember. We're coming to them with the good news. Gospel means that it's good tidings, good news. What is the good news? Yes, it is. He did. We we going to, in this process. Let me make it sure, sure that you understand. We're going to get to the cross, and we are working our way to the actual centrality of Yahushua as the savior. But if you take them non-believers, people that don't want to know, believe in the Bible, they want to take it to either the beginning, in a vague way, or the and Christians always want to take you to what they believe is the central point. And um, the fact is they want to make him a man and keep him a man. So these are strategies to work around those basic mindsets. Basic, because deception also has anchors. Satan has established a fundamental system when it comes to people not believing the Bible you always refer them back to the fact that they then are trusting in whatever the understanding or knowledge they have and where did it come from if they believe there is a God and the Bible isn't his word then it means there's a God that didn't let us know anything that's a big problem Yeah. Yes. So if
1: God already
2: knew whose name will be in the book of life, then why is the earth overpopulated and why because the
0: reality is you either believe in God you're for him or you're against him. Why then let us multiply if you already knew who's gonna be in the book of life? See now this is again the That brings us to the next step. These, the Bible has steps of truth. And so again, in the beginning, that's where we see the seed and we see the curse. So man did fall and God did speak a curse over them. And that brings us to that difficult truth of the seed, because there it says that um, the childbirth would be multiplied Eve's childbirth and that's also one of those truths that's been hidden by the foundation of the Antichrist and here what happens is that it's not only those obviously from the end so go back to the end if you look at the end of the story it's very obvious that there's a lot of other people whose names are not written in the book of life and the question is why did they live why were they ever there And then we go to the beginning of the story. God blesses Adam. And when he blesses Adam, he blesses all his children that are still seed in in, in Adam. So, just like the children of people were in them before they got manifested or born. Okay, so there... In those words of the curse, God, part, of the, part of the consequences of the fall is that the seed of Satan will multiply. Because he says, your seed will have enmity with the seed of the woman. So it's very clear from the Bible that it says that Satan has seed. Again, very easy, a very easy point to minister as far well as the gospel is concerned. Because then all you have to do, people will find all kinds of debates and excuses. All you have to do is say, does it say your seed will have enmity against it? Read it for us, please.
2: In Genesis chapter 3, after the fall, the Lord first speaks to, to Satan. And I'm going to read verse 15, where he says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed.
0: So that's all you need to consider in the beginning to understand the, the next step in the gospel. The fact is it says Satan's seed. So before one asks the question, well, what is his seed or is his seed? Just a person has to get the answer. Does it say Satan has seed or not? Yes or no? Simple answer. So, when a person acknowledges it does say a uh, seed, now we have to go see in the rest of the Bible if we can find evidence that this is a consistent part of the whole story to the end. Now, we know in the end, the uh, judgment day, a whole number of people are put with Satan and the false prophet and the beast into the lake of fire so it's consistent from there now all we have to do is check in between all the time is this consistency we see Cain kills his brother Abel then we see God judges the earth with the flood why he redeems his seed and there's another a huge crowd of people that is destroyed, judged then we see after the flood, you would go, okay, now we have to see if it's consistent. There's three sons. Um, Ham transgresses and God curses his firstborn, Canaan. So there's a consistency. There's a seed. There's a, a number of the population That's not that doesn't belong to God. And why are we doing this? Because the true gospel... We need to find ways to share the true gospel in a pure form. Just what the Bible is about. Because you can never share the gospel without going to the actual election. You cannot. There's no gospel left. And that's what Christianity has done. They have actually, to avoid election, they've had to create a whole different gospel. That's the problem. They've had to literally... Find their way through the Bible without actually accepting what the Bible says. And the way they've done that is to only teach on certain parts of the Bible.
1: But election is it
0: not a nice thought. I, I find it the most encouraging part yeah. of the gospel. I think it's the most wonderful part of the gospel because election boils down to the book of life. And that's why there's a structure that you establish over time. So whenever it comes to the seed and election, then the place you want to anchor that is where Joshua himself says a a landowner sowed good seed in his land. And in the night, an enemy came and sowed bad seed in between. Now, it doesn't matter how they want to debate anything, that's what is written. Now, where do you go with it? How do you but debate your way around that fact? And he says, the kingdom of God is likened to these things. Now, if we want to understand the kingdom of God, you have to consider the parable of the seed. And he says very clearly in the end, the these will be gathered into bundles. Now, what happens if you decide? Well, I don't want to reject the teas. I want to eat everything. Teas are poisonous. S- so it doesn't help you eat good um, wheat but mixed with teas, and you die. You, the purpose of the food was to be good. So now you see that's where you want to anchor it. So you can't just focus on election. You want to anchor it that. Yahushua said, would you want, if you were the good seed, would you want him rather to to do what you want him to do and keep the the wheats in between? That's as easy as that. If they're wheat, they're gonna say, Yes, I want him to keep the wheat. If they if they're good weed, if they're good wheat, they're going to go, no, we don't want the bad wheat with us. It's as simple as that. They will literally go into separation straight away themselves. And it's good that we have merciful hearts and that we have hope, but it can't be a false hope. Okay, so if you keep looking at that seed thing, then you see Jacob and Esau. Paul actually explains the whole thing very clearly. He says, God hated Esau. And then we see the Israelites and the Canaanites. God says, don't mix with the Canaanites. It's a matter of fact, kill them. So you see how it's consistent then also from the end, but you can, never, you can never explain any of these things to a person unless you in your mind understand where it's in the beginning and in the end. If you have a theory or a doctrine or piece of theology that you, don't, you cannot connect beginning and end with, then there's something wrong with it. It has to be consistent all through the Bible. And obviously that whole truth comes together in Romans chapter 8. That's where it's actually established in the New Testament as a truth. Without it, there's no gospel. So what is the good news before we, before we end? What's the actual good news? Yes. The actual good news is that God has a plan to separate us as his children from those who are not his children. That's the actual gospel. Harsh gospel, depending on where you're standing. For me, I'm going, thank you, Lord, that I'm standing where I'm standing. And do you know what 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 makes that gospel actually more beautiful is that these people that they're not they're not rejected because of some specific thing they did wrong. Because if they were just because of something they did wrong then it, it means that if they just avoided doing that, if they just need and didn't do that thing then they would be fine the gospel, the true gospel is that they refuse to be conformed to him. Now that's the big act. It's all the small decisions, all the debates, all the resisting the truth was them just not wanting to be conformed to the truth. And as far as I'm concerned that's a huge transgression against God. So you see it's no longer about well he made a mistake or he didn't know about the big picture. And that's also good news for us because we don't have to feel bad for them.
1: If people ask, so how do they know if the book of
0: life? That's, a, that's the kind of open door you're looking for. The person that asks that, you want to respond with excitement because this is exciting. You respond to them and say, your heart will draw to the truth, and you will do whatever it takes to get to know God. No matter what obstacles are in your way, you will go through it, over it, but you'll get to Him. That's how you know your name is written in the book of life. So that's how you immediately encourage, you focus on an encouraging process. You want to immediately, you'll, you want to, if, if somebody says, well, how do I know my name is in the book of life? You want to go there. You go, you know how you're going to know? It's because you'll do whatever it takes. You won't find excuses. You won't try and find excuses. You'll do whatever it takes to get to Him. It's about Him. It's about getting to Him. That's the but. The, you, then you don't want long explanations. You go, like, you want to speak to their heart. If their heart goes, I hear you, but I still love that other thing. If they choose the idol, there's nothing you can do about it. The person that immediately responds with their hearts going I want to get to him that's who I want to be, that's who I am that's how they know there's something in a person that doesn't know the Bible, doesn't know anything, something in them goes that's me, I want to get to him person that wants salvation because they don't want to go to hell that's the whole wrong thing, This the people that are his children, they want to get to him Okay, so that's about it. For this week, go meditate on that structure. Somewhere in your mind, there's, there has to be this solid structure. Meditate on that, please. Bye-bye, everybody.